thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heading to Greenville, South Carolina this weekend. That's right, South Carolina getting a UFC event this weekend. We'll be talking about our three favorite fights on the card, as well as talking to a couple of the fighters who are fighting on that card. I'll be talking with Brian Bam Bam Barberena and Ashley the Spider Monkey Yoder, plus our Fastest Fight News segment. We'll be talking about all of the news in MMA this weekend which includes some backlash from what went down at Bellator, TJ Dillashaw talking about his EPO positive test, and so much more. Plus, in a special Father's Day-themed combat countdown, we'll be counting down the best facial hair in all of MMA. That's right, the best facial hair in all of MMA. You ain't gonna want to miss this one. And before we get to any of that content, I gotta remind you that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Head to ADKFightwear.com for high-end grappling gear that is at a low, low price. That's right, low, low price. Right now, you know, usually we would give you our promo code. You could use T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, get 20% off. They're giving you a sale on top of that right now, too. It's Father's Day, so they want to make sure that you're getting grappling gear for your dad or, or maybe the grad in your life at a low, low price. Right now, you can get gear as low as $14 for spats. That's right. You go there. They're fade to green spats right now. 20% off. You're going to get them so cheap. And let me tell you something. You're not getting cheap spats. You're getting nice spats for cheap. That's right. ADKFightwear.com. Make sure you check out their spats, their rash guards, their geese, the whole line. It's all phenomenal stuff. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Ashley Yoder who fights Yuri Kondo at UFC Greenville this weekend. Uh, so Ashley, I want to first talk about your, your tough run of opponents when you started off in the UFC. You know, three straight losses, a decision loss to Justine Kish, which a, a bunch of people had you winning, a decision loss to a tough opponent in Angela Hill, and a split decision to Mackenzie Dern, which not only did one judge rule in your favor, but a lot of media ruled in your favor. While it was technically 0-3 to start your UFC career, how do you look <laughs> back at those bouts? Um, it was definitely a rough start, you know, uh, you try to stay positive, you try to, like, the first, I remember the Justine fight, you know, I just, you know, when I take a loss, I, I understand, like, you know, you go back and you learn, but when I rewatched that Justine fight, I've watched that fight more than any of my other fights, probably, I don't know where I lost that fight, I really don't, um, but at the end of the day, you know, what I do from that, like, no matter what, if you can't finish, it's gonna go to the judges, and as they always say, don't let it go to the judges. Um, and sometimes it's inevitable, but, you know, it's just growing and learning. And, you know, after the third one, though, you know, the second one, Angela Hill, I do believe I lost you. I think it was a really good fight. I think there was a lot of positive things that came out of it, a lot of learning that came out of it. Uh, same with the Kizzy Dern. And, you know, I think that it should have went the other way. But at the same time, I'm just the fighter inside the cage. And if I want that um, 100% outcome, um, I need to finish. So, you know, that's what I'm just, like, focusing on, trying to find that, you know, trying to find that rhythm. The UFC is a big dog, and you're just trying to, you know, just trying to make it. I'm not I'm not a former professional athlete like all the girls I've fought. You know, they've all done professional athletics and other martial arts, and I'm just, like, this little uh, country girl that's trying to do, like, some anger management. So 
it's uh it's been quite the journey, but I wouldn't take it any other way. It's made me grow in ways and question and learn about myself in ways that I can't have, I would never have got that if I would have won all three fights or, you know, two of the three. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, that they were learning experiences, each and every one of them, uh, especially the one uh, against Mackenzie Dern. What exactly do you feel like you got out of that? Other than, you know, the, the general concept that you don't leave it in the judge's hands, but, but what did you take, what did you take away from it? You know, uh, maybe on your game planning level or, or your stylistic level. Um, you know, going into the McKenzie fight was a real, I mean, for me, you know, it was a good camp. It was a good, uh, going up into it was, I didn't have to cut weight. Actually, when I got signed on that fight, I got really sick and lost like 12 pounds. I was in the hospital from like some kind of, actually, they don't even know what it was. They thought it was like E. coli, but, um, so it started off a really rough camp. And then, um, yeah, you know, I think on that level of it, it's just, you know, going in and fighting my fight, I've always kind of try to be a perfectionist for whatever coach I'm working with. And I've been really focusing since I've been in the UFC, I've been really focusing on my stand-up because I got my boxing coach back since I've been in the UFC. So um, I kind of went away, I think, from really being a ground girl. And most it kind of makes me sad because, you know, all my wins and all even jiu-jitsu, I compete a lot. I love to submit people. I love uh, competing in jiu-jitsu. So um, it's just trying to find that balance, you know, coming into MMA and having to basically do an accelerated program of martial arts when you don't have any in your background or in your arsenal, is it's pretty intense. So, you know, I really try to give my time and devote like to each martial arts while still training other ones. So it, it's just like, um, kind of like a, it's, it's very tricky, but you know, it's, it's fun and it's learning and you take from a loss, like, okay, with McKinsey, you know, um, stylistically, you know, she's a world champion and, um, jiu-jitsu and on the aspect of being in an MMA fight with someone and being on the ground I'm not scared but stylistically it's smart for me to stand, stay standing against someone that has so much more experience on the ground uh, you know but from that you know you just have to tweak little things and you know that was the first time I ever even dropped someone I never thought I even had the power to drop someone if you watch that fight again you can literally see it in my face like what did I just do <laughs> did she fall over like yeah so it, it's fun it's a learning experience and um no matter what I just like to perform for the fans like I I get so much energy and so many positive vibes from people that weren't my fans and watch my fight become fans or you know just people that adore the fighting game or watch tough or you know I I really drive off of the positive energy of the fans so I love it yeah, and I think you did earn a lot of, of fans in that Dern fight with your striking, and I think with the Kish fight in your grappling, because I, I think you did a really great job in there, too, right, making yeah. your grappling exciting. Well, I'm glad that you watched that fight, because a lot of people didn't because it was a fight fight, but that was probably, I rewatch that fight all the time, and I don't really like to watch myself fight, because I think I look stupid, but uh, that Kish fight is probably one of my favorite fights, like, uh, to this day, it was it was a special one for me. Well, you know, here at, at Flow Combat, we are huge grappling nerds. So I got to ask you, too, you know, you, you said you <laughs> love grappling and you're sad you have yeah. to get away from it. We loved your grappling in the Justine Kitsch fight. Is there any interest in getting into, like, maybe some of the higher end grappling world? I mean, you're a, a pretty high level brown belt under my estimation. You've got, you know, yeah. EBIs out there and, and all kinds of other fun tournaments like that. Is there any interest in getting into some of that at some point? Oh, absolutely. Like, you give me the call. I already told them, if the UFC is okay with it, I want to get in there and I do combat jiu-jitsu, slap someone, I'll do regular jiu-jitsu, gi jiu-jitsu, no gi. 
I love jujitsu, and if you want, like, I compete as much as I can um, with the aspect of, like, training smart, making sure I'm still training other stuff, because, of course, I'm an MMA fighter, but any chance I get the opportunity to go compete, I mean, I love it. I really do, and um, it just gives me a, a, it's like another outlet, but on the same road, so I'm, you know, I'm still, you know, exercising some of those tools, but I'm separating it out, so giving myself an opportunity to kind of just focus, you know, on one thing instead of being an MMA fight and having all these other aspects. So. Absolutely. And, and now I got to talk about the stylistic matchup of this fight coming up because Siri Kondo has a huge and a very extensive background in kickboxing and boxing. Your striking looked really good in the, in the uh, Amanda Bobby Cooper fight in the Mackenzie Dern fight. But is this a, a an instance where you do want to go back to the ground because it makes more sense? Um, you know, I, I think I'm very um, equally rounded in the aspect of, like, when it comes to MMA fighting. Um, but I will tell you, you know, I do love – I love ground stuff. I love – I mean, if I stri- – I like to strike, too, and that's, I think, what's going to make this an awesome fight is we both like to strike. So um, I like strikes, but, of course, you know, I definitely want to get back to to the old Ashley. So, you know, I'm excited to see where um, what kind of things I can show you guys in this fight, you know, just from – I've been really out of my comfort zone this year. In this short time, um, I've done, like, a lot of things that in my life you could have asked me to do, and I've been like, eh, probably fine. But it's, uh, you know, doing stuff out of my comfort zone and taking me into um, a new, like, mental mind frame of, um, you know, just growing, like, being open to things. And so I think it's going to hopefully show on this site that, you know, uh, it's helped my training, helped just me grow as a person, too, so... That's awesome. And now I do want to ask you once again, like I said before, we're, we're huge grappling nerds here. Do you have a favorite submission as a, you know, obviously a well-versed jujitsu woman yourself? Well, um, if you're watching my fights, all my fights are wins from armbar. Actually, my first fight, fight, they say it was an armbar, but it wasn't. It was a uh, rear naked choke. Uh, but armbars are definitely my favorite. Um, I like, I like everything, you know. I think uh, it's kind of funny when I first competed ever, I was only into jiu-jitsu with a gi for a couple months, and they signed me up for Pan Ams, and I won Pan Ams as a white belt. And then, of course, you know, next is Worlds. So then I compete in Worlds, and I was going through each match, and I was doing the same thing, jumping guard and armbarring the girl, jumping guard and armbarring the girl. And I just remember my coach and his best friend, who is also the same affiliate, he goes, maybe you want to try something else. Like, um, And my his friend goes, no, 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 no. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Keep our bar in these girls. So then I won world. So it was, it was kind of funny um, because in MMA, I've always got my arm bars from mount. And in jiu-jitsu, I always got them from guard. So it's crazy how that changes. But, um, yeah, I just love I love the diversity and be able to make it your own. And we love that, too, as well. Now, I got to ask you because I ask everybody who I, I interview, I got to know, what is your prediction for this fight? Are we going to get to see another arm bar from mount? Man, I don't give predictions. I don't do that. That's like karma. Uh, no, I hear I just want to go out, and I honestly, like, as maybe corny as it sounds to you, but for me, it's everything is being able to perform for the fans and, you know, just um, putting on a show because at the end of the day, you know, that's what we're there for is um, to make the crowd happy, and I, I like doing that. So, and I, I think I, I bring it when it comes to fights, and I know that my opponent will do the same. So I'm excited about this fight. And we're excited, too. Once again, this is Ashley Yoder, who fights Yuri Kondo this weekend at UFC in Greenville. Ashley, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it, too.
This is Daniel Gumby Freeland from Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Brian Bam Bam Barbarena, who fights Randy Brown this weekend at UFC in Greenville, South Carolina. So, Brian, it's been a while since we've talked. I wanted to ask, how's the farm life been treating you since we last talked? Hey, man, yeah, the farm life is amazing. I love it. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. That's all I could say, really. Uh, the family's loving it. It's been great experiences. Um, you know, we've had new life born on the farm for the first time, from cows to goats, um, chickens. I mean, it's been it's been an experience, a great experience. Well, that's awesome, and I imagine you know working through a fight camp while you're you're still raising, like you said, all of that livestock has got to be sort of a tough double life. You're coming home from training, you're tired, but there's stuff to be done. Uh, how have you been balancing that? Yeah, you know, uh, so I travel for fight camp. I'm gone all week. I come home on the weekends, and uh, it, it can be tough at times balancing. Uh, when I come home, you know, I want to spend all my time with my wife and kids, and uh, you know, there's farm work to be done, and my wife is handling everything she can during the week for the farm. And, uh, when, you know, I come home, there's things that need to be done. So, uh, I just hurry up. I try to get them done and I try to get them done with my family, with my kids and, uh, have them, you know, helping me or riding with me on the tractor. And, you know, it was hay season. We had our first cut of hay, um, in the middle of camp. And so I came home on the weekend, had to get right into cutting hay, uh, raking it, um, tedding it, and then bailing it. And my neighbor helps us out a lot as well. So uh, huge thanks to him. But, uh, yes, there's always work to be done. And uh, we just try to do it all as a family so we can do it together and be together. That's awesome. And, and now you you mentioned that you're training for your, your camp and you're leaving for the week, coming back for the weekends. Have you been doing the training like you have been in the past with Jeff Jimmo in North Carolina? Have you been working with the lab a little bit? What, what's sort of been the training routine for this fight camp? Okay, yeah, yeah. I uh I actually um, my whole camp has moved. I do my whole camp at Jeff uh with Jeff Jimmo at Jimmo in uh North Carolina. So uh it's not too far from home and it's actually not too far from Greenville. And so um it will be kind of like a hometown fight for me. You know, I have my teammates all from Jimmo. I have uh my fa- my family, my and my friends from uh Tennessee, friends from North Carolina that I have now. It's uh you know so it's kind of going to be like a hometown fight for me here in Greenville. And, and are the kids going to get to come to the fight too? Absolutely, yep. My kids will be here. They get in on Thursday, um, and they're excited. They're excited to come to the fight and and be here. You know, I always love having them at the fight. I feel like it just gives a, a better energy and uh, you know, get a little bit more motivation. Yeah, and speaking of that that motivation and that energy you get from your kids being there, we noticed last time you walked out to Baby Shark uh, as, <laughs> as sort of an homage to your kids uh, as you were walking out of the cage. Are they still into that song? Are we going to get it again? Or uh, do you got maybe something else uh, kid-friendly lined up? Uh, so we got something else lined up. Um, you know, I like to try to incorporate my kids in everything I do. Um, so, you know, the fact that, you know, they, they're into the song and we chose, you know, they chose baby shark and, you know, we listened to it nonstop for the longest time. So it was like, it was a no brainer of what that's to go with. And that's what they chose. So, uh, they chose a different song this time and, uh, I'm excited to walk out to it and they're super pumped for me to walk out to it. So, uh, you know, I can't really say right now. It'd just be a surprise, I guess. 
All right, well, we're looking forward to that surprise. Now, let's talk a little bit about the fight. You're fighting Randy Brown, who's who's kind of striker heavy. You know, he's a guy who, who tends to like to go in there and throw hands, not do a ton of grappling. Are you looking to rely a little bit more on your grappling in this one than you have in the past? Uh, You know, I, I, I really prefer to strike. Uh, if it goes to, like, grappling, I can mix it up. You know, I can I feel like I can mix it up with the best of them and, uh, and be right there on the, in the grappling. Um, so you never know, but if it goes there, I feel comfortable. I'm ready for it. I think that, uh, I think he'll be shooting for takedowns, you know, honestly, pretty early. I think he's going to stand up and strike and test it out. And, but I think he'll be shooting early. I mean, that's, you know, just what I think. Uh, maybe not. Hopefully he stands and throw and I'll stand and throw with him. That's fine with me. Um, but yes, like we can mix it up anywhere and I feel comfortable to go anywhere. Yeah, and you certainly do like those uh, throwing hands, fight of the night type performances. And I wanted to ask you about the last one because we haven't gotten a chance to talk since you fought Vincente Luque in what was one of the most amazing fights of the year. Seemingly, your stock goes way up in that fight, right? Like you take a couple of rounds off of a guy who's now a top 15 ranked opponent. uh, But at the same time, you lose. How do you deal with a fight like that afterwards mentally? Uh, You know, it was a great fight. You know, uh, I went in there and uh, I went in there with the intentions to win, the intentions to win. And, uh, you know, it didn't turn out my way in the final seconds of the fight. And, um, you know, honestly, I just, I I can't be down on myself about it. You know, I I can't, uh, I'm I'm happy with the way my performance, uh, the way I performed. Um, And to be honest, if that's how I'm going to go out, if that's how how it happened, that's how I want to go out. I want to go out like that. I want to go out, you know, fighting. I want to go out swinging, you know. Uh, he had, he hurt me with something. He hurt me with the uppercut, I believe. And, you know, at that point, you know, people were like, why didn't you just circle away? Why didn't you just shoot? And it's like, or, t- or go for a takedown or whatever. It's like, well, instead I threw, I just kept throwing, you know. <laughs> it's like, that's what I do. Like, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out swinging. And, um, you know, I just it didn't it didn't affect with me mentally or anything like that. Uh, I was bummed, obviously, of course. Um, you know, I went there to win. So, um, but I respect Luke. He's a hell of a warrior, hell of a fighter, and uh, I believe I'll see him down the road again. And um, you know, it'll be a great fight then too. And I believe I'll I'll come out on on top on that one. Yeah, we certainly would love to see a rematch on that one. But let's uh, end this interview quickly with a prediction for how this goes down with Randy Brown this weekend. What do you think? I just don't see it going past the second round. I see uh, I see me finishing him. All right. Well, you heard it here first, guys. Brian, Bam Bam Barberena calling an early TKO finish over Randy Brown or submission finish over Randy Brown this weekend at <laughs> UFC Greenville. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for talking with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. And those interviews with Ashley Yoder and Brian Bam Bam Barbarena are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only app designed specially to track your training in BJJ. That's right. There is now an app on your phone that helps you track your BJJ progress. Listen to how this works. First, you're going to go to wherever you get your apps and download Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Once you have it, you're going to set up your profile, put your name in there, your belt level, maybe where you train. You can add all kinds of other things too, like your weight, so that you can stay on top of that with a, you know, maybe you got a big competition coming up. 
Then once you got your, your profile all set up, you can do things like stay on top of what it is you're training. You can do that by keeping notes in your training logs. You can also do that by tagging the different training techniques that you've been training, and they'll keep track of which ones you're training over and over again. They'll also track how often you're training and how that changes month to month so that you can make sure that you're making the progress you wanna make. There's tons of other cool functions, including stuff about competitions. You can keep track of, as I said before, your weight, maybe some seminars you went to, it has got so many cool functions. You're going to want to check it out if you do jujitsu maroon social. Now, we're going to head back to the show. I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, listening to Bamber, Bam Bam Barbarena talk about balancing that farm and fight life seems pretty cool. How do you think that's going to play out for him? You know what? We have had Bam Bam Barbarena on the show multiple times, and this might be the happiest I've ever heard him. So I hope it translates to success in the cage, I guess time will tell on that if he's not at, let's say, a high-level camp like the MMA lab, but maybe, just maybe, this is the right recipe uh, for what he needs in his life. Yeah, and I know he was working a little bit with Jimmo last camp for that that Vicente Luque fight, which was an absolute masterpiece of a back-and-forth war, so... Uh, I don't think it's a huge step down in his training. I mean, obviously, I love John Crouch, but on top of that, you're right. His happiness seems to be what's the most important thing, and and if he's getting the work-family-life balance thing down to a T, maybe this is going to be the best Brian Barbarano we've ever seen. All right. Well, let's move on to our favorite segment on this show. That's the Fastest Fight News segment. You know what, actually, Gumby? It's tied for our favorite (laughs) segment on the show probably with Combat Countdown and UFC Preview and our newly debuted Sunday morning uh, matchmaker. But that all being said, let's move to the fastest fight news. We deliver the news to you in under 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. And we got a lot of little news items to go over here. And I think it's worth starting with TJ Dillashaw says, He's glad he took steroids to help himself with a weight cut. What do you make of that? Yeah, I uh, I didn't think after finding out he tested positive for EPO, I could hate him anymore. Uh, and it sucks to say that you hate a fighter like that, because I usually appreciated his body of work. But just, like, the fact that he said that, like, I've always said that the fighters should just come clean after they've tested positive and be honest about what they've tested positive. But, like, I mean that in a way that, like, also shows some sort of remorse and this is like the exact opposite he's like yeah i did it and it's not i'm sorry i did it it's like almost like yeah i did it and take that uh so it it leaves a bad taste in my mouth uh and and i don't like it no yeah i agree uh i think it's maybe like almost like he wanted to be sort of like counterintuitive to what you would think because most of these guys they go with the i'm sorry it was a mistake tj dillashaw has decided to go the opposite way say he's glad he did it and i don't know who he thinks he's going to score points with for it but i mean it's a rare time when someone comes out and says they're glad they did it right yeah i i've never seen this sort of reaction you know like i think there is a like a a way that you're supposed to handle this. Like for people who are fans of baseball, like the way that Andy Pettit was like, look, it was a different time and I did it and I'm really, really sorry. And I wouldn't do it again. And like that, that model 
makes people forget it happened almost. You know, like people forget that freaking Chael Sonnen was a steroided up guy sometimes, <laughs> right? And I know we're going to talk about him later, but people forget that his legacy of taking steroids is worse than most people. And it's because Chael Sonnen was like, look, it, it's something that a lot of people were doing and we weren't getting caught for it before. Now we are. And, and I'm sorry I did it. And like that was enough for people to be like, pretty much forget that he did it and, and not like intentionally forget he did it. But like, we don't remember that all the time. So like if that happened with Shale Sonnen, that seems to be the model. TJ Dillashaw, you're right. He tried to buck the trend and do something else and it wasn't good. Well, you mentioned his name. Let's just go right there. Bellator 222 uh, from MSG last weekend provided a lot of newsworthy items. We'll start then with Shale losing to Leota Machida and then retiring. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it was a, a, a predictable outcome. You know, Lil Machida is still a pretty decent light heavyweight when it comes down to it. I mean, I still think he could probably hang with the the bottom of the top 15 in the UFC. So, like, it's not surprising that he beat a 42-year-old Shale Sonnen. Um, I mean, I think it was probably time for him to retire. I mean, like, apart from, you know, like a win here or a win there, he's not going to beat anybody noteworthy. I mean, like, he took down... Uh, Fedor only to like weirdly flip off of him and get knocked out and, and Fedor is a shell of himself so uh, I feel like Shale Sonnen it, it was time uh, but I would never rule out a comeback with that dude oh god I really hope not I feel like Shale Sonnen was on five years ago and whatever's <laughs> happened since in like the Bellator uh, you know senior circuit I've, I've honestly barely paid attention to we'll go from someone old to someone young and that's Aaron Pico who experienced his second loss in a row again by TKO he's now four and three as a professional this was once the most heralded prospect in MMA it feels like at least going back to 2017 what do you make of Pico's troubles so it's hard to say, like, Pico's troubles here, too, because, like, if you're looking at the records of the dudes who beat uh, Aaron Pico, like, this dude has faced some killers, right? Like, this guy has faced the real deal out there. If you look at the guys he's lost to, and, and now remember that he's only a guy who's fought, what is it, seven times, you said, right? Four and three. Mm-hmm. This guy he just fought is 13 and 0. Adam Borix is 13 and 0. He lost to Henry Corrales, who's 16 and 3. He lost his UFC debut to Zach Freeman, who is 8 and 2 at the time. Like his losses are all to very legit guys, and I think what this teaches us more than anything is that there's a way to build up these super young wrestling prospects, and this ain't it. Because like if you looked at the way Bellator built up Ed Ruth. That's the way you build up a prospect, right? Ed Ruth fought, like, three or four guys, kind of, who are, are new. Then he fought Jan Pascu, who was, like, a, a more ready, available name. And then he fought one other guy in Bellator who was, like, legit. But it wasn't until his, like, fifth or sixth fight that he started fighting legit guys. Aaron Pico, like, has been learning this on the fly. And he's also been getting hit in the head pretty fucking hard. You know, like, four of these fights now, he's been tagged pretty hard. And it almost makes me wonder what's going to become of him because of that. Right. I think it's so interesting because Bellator does, I guess, a quote-unquote good job of protecting its prospects. You see the guy they just got to fight, um, Jack Swagger. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's surprising that they have kind of thrown Pico to the wolves, but he looks so good in fights two through five. 
I sort of get that. And then, you know, I, I thought he actually fought a pretty good fight. Yeah. Against uh, Borix on Friday and then just got caught. But it is getting scary the way he's getting turned off. This does not bode well for his prospect status. And now I think it begs the question uh, if you had to buy stock in an MMA fighter today for their future and you want an ROI, are you buying stock in Aaron Pico or are you buying stock in Dylan Dennis? Ah, uh, you just made me really upset because I'm going to give you the answer, Dylan Dennis. Uh, and just because they're doing it the right way with him, right? Dylan Dennis is fighting really low-level prospects, right? And I, the last guy he fought, is he a can? Maybe. It was like 3-2. and two. At least he had some experience. They didn't bring him in. It wasn't uh, TJ Tombstone that they brought in for, for Jack Hager. But, like, it, it was a guy who, who's got pretty much no experience at a super high level. So, like, they're doing the right thing with Dylan Dennis. So, if I had to buy stock, I'm buying stock in the guy who's getting built up the right way and also sells himself pretty well, whereas Aaron Pico doesn't. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about. Um, and prospects in MMA can really come and go and burn out fast. Uh, once a prospect, now a super great fighter, Rory McDonald uh, moves on in the welterweight Grand Prix. He'll face Douglas Lima in the finals. He beat Neiman Gracie. What do you think of Rory's performance? Uh, he was doing Rory McDonald stuff again. It was crazy after seeing him look so timid and looking so, like, I don't want to use the word half-assed, but he was, like, not himself against John Fitch. And I was like, oh, Neiman is going to face this new-age Rory McDonald and just fucking steamroll him because Neiman is a beast. Uh, and then it seemed like old Rory McDonald again. It was just like the Rory McDonald who had an amazing UFC run. The Rory McDonald who, like, isn't afraid to punch people in the face really fucking hard. So, like, it, it was shocking to me, but I guess, like, he's back. It was He wasn't gone long, but he's back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. Everything you just said is correct. I don't know that he's necessarily back. I think the new Rory is one-on-one-off kind of thing. Ah, that would be yeah. dangerous if he's fighting Douglas Lima next because Douglas Lima is not one to be off on. Now, if you go back to the war that we all love back in 2015 against Robbie Waller in Rory's last uh, seven fights, he is 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. Mm. And I just think that's going to bear itself out as he keeps going. I, you know, I, depending on who they give him to, because it is Bellator. But let's just say Rory magically came back to the UFC. I just get the sense that he might be a one-win, one-loss fighter. Yeah, well, and especially because they would run him against the top talent all the time, right? Like, it's not like Rory McDonald would fight any schmoes. You know, like he, he's not going down to fight anybody at the bottom of the division. He'd get constant killers in that welterweight division right now D- damn that the, the whole top 15 is filled with guys who can knock your head off like vicente luque at number 15 uh, he w- i'm positive he would have beaten neiman gracie as well so like there is a lot of talent in in the ufc's welterweight division well it begs a good question uh let's just look at even the top Seven. He has a loss to Steven Thompson. I'd give him a win over number six, Darren Till. Askren, that could be a toss-up. Who would you take, Askren or Rory? I think right now I would take Rory. I want to see Askren again bef- against the top talent, which we're going to get to see against Jorge Masvidal before I make like a real decision. Because like 
he did get slammed by Robbie Lawler, and that doesn't bode well for a fight with Rory McDonald because I think Rory McDonald could wrestle him up if if Robbie got a giant slam on him. Um, and I don't if think he, Rory. Rory go ahead. I think Rory could wrestle Ben Askren, and I don't think Ben Askren. Rory, Rory, yep, Rory or Rory Masvidal? Who you picking? Oh, um, I actually think I would take Masvidal. I think he's a worse matchup for Rory. In a very weird way, but in the way that, like, Jorge Masvidal would stand with him and box the fuck out of his face, and he might just get pulled into a boxing match. Rory or Rafael Dos Anjos, who are you taking? Rory. Yeah, pretty confident. Rory or Colby Covington? Oof. I'm still going to take Rory. Colby's hands are crap. (laughs) Rory in a rematch against Tyron Woodley, who he already has a win over. I'd take Tyron Woodley now. No, I would, too. Yeah, and Rory versus Kamari Usman. Kamari Usman by a mile. Kamari would kill him. Me, too. So, actually, I thought this exercise would be a lot more depressing, but Rory against the top seven, I think we're both still picking him in about half. Yeah. You know, you still give him the, the nod over, over Till, maybe Askren, Toss up Masvidal and clear cut Dos Anjos. Yeah, so we we give him like, and I gave him over Covington too. So you give him like three or four of those. But here's the funny thing though too is I think if you went down the top fifteen, that trend would not change, right? Like I would probably pick him over Pettis, but I might not pick him over Ponzinibbio. I would probably pick right. him over Lawler, but I might not pick him over Leon Edwards. I'd probably pick him over Damian Maya and Neil Magny, but I would definitely have to think twice before picking him over Elizu Dos Santos and Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque, like, yeah. And he has a win li- over Yeah, he's got a win over Maya, yeah, yeah. But, like, it, it's literally, if you, like, go down that list, it's like, this one, yes, this one, no. This one, yes, this one, no. Um, And that's probably how the UFC would match him up, and we'd just watch him win one, lose one. All right, well, that about wraps up our uh, Fastest Fight news. Let's move on to our other favorite segment on the show. It's the Combat Countdown, and this week we are counting down the best MMA facial hair. We, of course, threw this out to our uh, adoring public on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, follow the show. We got a ton of feedback. There's a clear-cut number one, but we'll get to that. Before we even start the list, Gumby, does any fine company bring the fans this Combat Countdown? Of course, as always, the Combat Countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to SISUGuard.com for the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink, all with the mouthguard in your mouth. It's got tiny perforations that allow you to breathe better and to be able to drink while the mouthguard's in your mouth so that you don't constantly have to be taking it out. Also, if you're a team sport person, you can communicate better with your teammates while still protecting those chompers. It is certainly a feat of science, and you're going to want to check it out. And when you do, make sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE15 for 15% off all your mouth guard purchases. All right, let's get to this list. It's a fun one. It's the best MMA facial hair. Uh, so we will start as we always do at number five, and it's big country. Roy Nelson. Yeah, big country Roy Nelson. So you'll notice while we go through this list, I'll tell you that there's a trend here that I've picked different kinds of facial hair. So we didn't just get like, you know, five of the most boss mustaches or something like that. Or, you know, they're all a little bit different. And Roy Nelson is pretty much got what we call the nest. He's got the best of like the big, manly, burly, just going to let it grow like a wild man beards. 
Uh, similar to Brian Barber, an honorable mention to our guest today, uh, but Roy Nelson's is certainly crazy, especially since it started growing those little grays in there. Yeah, he's a graying big country. Uh, speaking of graying and sort of a similar body type, we'll move to number four. It's Tank Abbott. <laughs> yeah, Tank Abbott got on the list as the goatee guy. Some people mentioned Chuck Liddell for his goatee, uh, but this one certainly takes the cake. Because not only is it a goatee, but it's also got the cool wispiness to it. Tank Abbott, the ultimate bar fighter dad looking guy in the UFC. Bar fighter, dad-looking guy, I like that. The originator of the dad bod, really. We'll go then to number three, and this guy has the best stash in the game. It's Don Fry. Yeah, Don Fry's got the best, like, my uncle's mustache in the game, uh, yeah. which is what pretty much what I put in the number three slot here. If you are you want that, uh, you know, push-brew mustache, you got it there with Don Fry, and that puts him at number three on the list. Number two, uh, we get into more of the artisanal facial hair. It's Uncle Creepy Ian McCall. <laughs> artisanal facial hair. I love the way you put that. Yeah, you got to put Uncle Creepy on there. He got mentioned all over the place on Twitter for his curly-ended mustache, and he's known well for that mustache, and it brought him his nickname. So I feel like you got to put him on there if he's got a nickname based on his facial hair. Uh, so it brings us then to number one, and this was overwhelming on Twitter. Everyone said, this is the guy. This is number one. Uh, and it's a clear-cut number one, and he's not even a fighter. It's referee Mike Beltran. Yeah, referee Mike Beltran was the easiest person to pick it and put it number one. I didn't even consider him for the list because I figured people would be throwing out fighters, and everybody put referee Mike Beltran. If we're putting categories of facial hair on, on here, I'm not sure there is a category for Mike Beltran because he's got something nobody else does, which is the long braided mustache, and it's super badass. So uh, Mike Beltran, by far the number one on the overall list of the best facial hair in MMA. So there you have it. Let's rewind it. Roy Nelson coming in at number five, number four, Tank Abbott, number three, Don Fry, number two, Uncle Creepy Ian McCall, and number one, referee Mike Beltran. That's our top five, and we're sticking to it for this combat countdown on the best MMA facial hair. But hey, hit us up on our Twitter, at MMA. Let us know if you love that list. Let us know if you hated that list. We're accepting both love and hate feedback currently. Gumby, let's move along to our other favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the show, and it's the UFC preview. It's the UFC in Greenville, South Carolina breakdown. And I wonder, is it brought to the fans by anyone? And this UFC in Greenville, South Carolina breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. That's right, Sheath Underwear is changing the underwear game. Head to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code FLOW for 20% off your whole underwear order. And this underwear is extra special if you're doing any kind of physical activity because it separates your junk from your legs and makes sure that you're promoting airflow to your guys so they're not getting extra hot and sweaty and also not being crushed like they would be in briefs. Check them out, sheathunderwear.com. Now, for the three fights that I'm going to talk about today, I want to talk about Hanato Moicano versus Chan Sung Jung. I'm taking Hanato Moicano here as a negative 190 favorite over Korean Zombie at plus 175. Look, I love Zombie, but you know he's going to get into a striking match here with Moicano. Moicano does a great job of chewing those legs up, and I just think he's a little qu- quicker and a little bit more technical. If Zombie had a little bit of trouble with Yaya Rodriguez, he's going to have a lot of bit of trouble with Moicano. Uh, in the co-main event, I'm taking John Lineker over Rob Font. Lineker, a negative 2. 
200 favorite. Uh, I, I think you see more of the same of their first matchup here. Uh, Lineker sits down on his punch as well. I think he's got a chance to stun Font, and, and I worry that Font probably can't wrestle him, and his striking is just maybe not as powerful. Um, but I'm always going to give you an underdog, and here's the underdog I like on this card. I'm going to take Montana De La Rosa as a plus 185 underdog over Angela Lee. I like Montana De La Rosa's grappling here. I'm not sure she'll be able to get Lee down, but if she does, that price at plus 185 is such a good play. So, uh, once again, I like Hanato Moicano over Korean Zombie. I like John Lineker over Rob Font, and I like Montana De La Rosa over Angela KGB Lee. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank our sponsors, because without them, this show would not be possible. Sisu Mouthguards, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, and Maroon Social. Make sure you download the Maroon social app we want to thank you the fans for tuning in each and every week we couldn't do it without you guys either and we couldn't do it without flow combat for having us on and making sure that you guys can see this and get it in your ears uh we want to remind you guys to check out our twitter at top turtle mma you can check out all kinds of fun contests giveaways and all kinds of cool stuff like that and we want to remember that we will be right back at it next week and we'll see you guys then